towards, you know, what is thinking about talking about contemplating the future of business, technology, and entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. So just sort of like talking about, A, what are real trends in different industries um, and kind of future states and, and where do we go? How do we skate where the puck's going to be? But it's also been fun to talk to people to hear more about sort of their entrepreneurial journey, if they're an entrepreneur, as opposed to maybe like a subject matter expert or whatever. Right. Um, kind of story DNA kind of stuff too. So this it's free form. It's pretty much conversation based, cool. uh, but I guess let's just get going. Um, yeah, sure. I guess, you know, welcome Jesse, uh, attorney, entrepreneur, extraordinaire, um, similar to me. He's a, a startup that helps startups start up in some ways, uh, a big ecosystem, you know, feeder and an enabler for, for companies, but I guess give your, you know, elevator pitch bio and kind of how, of what you're doing now. And then if you want to go a little bit further, how'd you go from, you know, lawyer to entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. That's, uh, that's great. I'm happy to to give you the story. I'm going to start with, um, I I did, uh, I did a workshop of, we, we do these like, you know, kind of founder workshops roughly every quarter. And up until this quarter, we've always done them in person, but obviously we couldn't do that. Uh, we couldn't do that this time, and we had sort of been leaning towards doing something virtually anyway, because it's so much work to get, you know, get get a place rented and get food and get everything kind of set up. And then the biggest and hardest part is to actually get people to show up when there's like a thousand other things going on all the time. So uh, anyway, last week we did a um, we did a virtual workshop that that went really well, and. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, it, we did it in conjunction with a company called Entra, and uh, they basically handled, you know, all the technology and actually getting people to sign up for it. Uh, but anyway, I sent my wife a link and she watched it. She was, she told me she was three of the people that were on it because she had her phone, her computer and something else that she you know, had it all running at the same time. Um, anyway, she gave me, she gave me crap for not talking about uh my family when I started. So I'm going to start there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so um, briefly, you know, I, uh, I grew up in outside of Philadelphia, uh, been here in Raleigh since 2012, came down, worked for a a large law firm for a while. Um, But I live in Raleigh uh, with my wife, who's my high school sweetheart. Um, And we've got four kids that range from five to 12. Um, my oldest is, is our only boy. So we've got one boy and three girls. Uh, he, um, you know, baseball, whatever got, you know, sort of canceled or postponed or whatever. They just started up about two weeks ago and, uh, and then he broke his arm over the weekend. So I was like, (laughs) you can't win. Um, Anyway, but so the uh, so anyway, we're we're here in Raleigh. Uh, I started Fourscore about two and a half years ago, a little bit more than two and a half years ago, I guess now. Um, and uh, you know, I went to law school at Wake Forest. Knew I was really interested in business. Didn't want to do like litigation, uh, which is what everybody thinks of when they think of lawyers. And um, started practice in Delaware, which is you know where all the you know, all the, all the big companies, the Fortune 500, most of those are incorporated in Delaware, big business corporation state, and then moved down here. Um, and when I got here, I started working with startups. And it was just very obvious that that, that, that was really interesting to me. I really like working um, in closer proximity with people who are excited about what they're doing. And um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it was very hard to do that at my first job. Uh, the, my second, you know, position, which was the first one here in Raleigh, it was a little bit easier because I was actually working with smaller and early stage companies. But after being in kind of a big firm environment for, you know, six or seven years, I was just, it just, I liked what I was doing and I liked the people I was with, but I just couldn't handle that environment anymore. Um, so I, I've always wanted to start my own business. Um, but I wasn't ready to do that right out of that. I went to a small firm and worked there for about two years, kind of learned how the business of the law firm works. And then um, in 2017, 
I launched Foursquare. So we've been thankfully, uh, you know, growing. Um, I've got a, a team now of we've got three, three, not including myself, three full-time lawyers and a full-time admin tech person. Um, we've got a couple part-time people, whether they're admin, lawyers, paralegals, stuff like that. Um, but uh, we really kind of all of us rally around this belief that ideas deserve opportunity, and so that's kind of what we've built the we've built the business on that belief. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, we we uh, we do have an office, but we work remotely a lot. We're very loose, kind of in terms of where people are, and um, we come come together for. Uh, a couple different weekly things that we do regularly, so that we get to see each other's faces. Um, but we just have a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing what we do together. Yep, that's awesome. Um, and you know, I'll I like what you said. I guess good point. I guess as entrepreneurs, are we all little mini mini sociopaths? I'm not sure, and so maybe I should, we should be thinking about others more. Uh, so I'm married, and I actually married my college girlfriend, and we met because we were neighbors. So we have a fun little story around that, and uh, and we live in South Durham with our three kids, nine, three to nine. Three is almost four, so he's starting to kind of turn the corner and and be really fun. They're always fun, all of them are. But yeah, sending them out to do their like DIY soccer or baseball or basketball practice or just any health care, you know, like physical fitness. Is a nightmare and they fight everything so like they literally it doesn't matter like if they want to go outside and play they'll play for hours if you're like hey go like uh shoot some hoops for 30 minutes and practice dribbling like just to like do something in case there's ever a league ever again they're like no you're bossing me around and then we fight and like some nights i'm just tired because like i'm just tired and other nights i'm just like emotionally drained from like the battling with the kids and then trying to really be like okay well you know tell me how you feel it's okay like it's okay to be upset. You know, how can I improve? Yeah, I'm just, I, I don't even know how we're supposed to talk to them, but I should, I should Google that. Anyways, um, I like ideas deserve opportunity and, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, we share in common for sure as, you know, I have a company smashing boxes and we help people build their products, but it's, it's fee for service. Um, but over the last few years, we've been trying to noodle on how to create more like a venture building studio to where we uh -huh. could remove some of these barriers to entry and let good ideas ultimately succeed or fail based on the value they add to the marketplace. Um, taking away things like you know, friction and product building, team building, fundraising, legal, other structural things where, you know, these companies trip up. So, you know, one in 10 or nine out of 10 companies fail or whatever. Uh, I don't know the stat, but how many are for things that are that could have been easily avoided and now can we give more things a chance to to get to the to the market yeah. and get to the world so that's cool um definitely the other thing that popped into my head was you know what's kind of what's the future of the role of the attorney as a trusted advisor to the business owner and, and just from my own sort of background like i feel like 10 years ago people funneled all startups to like their professional service providers like lawyers and CPAs for like advice or like intros to investors or like there's sort of a high bar set by the outside world of like what your lawyer or your CPA could do for you, which was immediately sort of like under delivered on because it was like, Oh shit, I'll just ask my lawyer. Like they're my attorney. They'll help me with like my business. They'll help me with my fundraising. They'll make my idea better. And that was just kind of, that's, you know, an unfair position to put attorneys in, but then now it's like, well, is it, it can quickly go down to transactional and, yeah. you know, balancing wanting to get billable hours and make, an, and make a living versus like really be a partner with clients. I mean, well, how does that, what does the role of kind of the attorney look like, you know, going forward? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, what we're trying to do is um, do whatever we can to sort of reduce Reduce the amount of time that that our lawyers have to spend on things that are just too simple to spend time on. Um, and so we we try to leverage technology. We've been talking a lot about um, you know there there are some some things that kind of work, but they don't really work exactly the way that I would like them to. And so maybe at some point, you know, we're going to come up with 
you know, an idea that will help us be more efficient. Um, but I think there's a lot of different ways to get at the, get at that issue. One is through technology. I mean, we're, we're seeing new technology all the time. Duke has that like law tech lab. We're actually looking at that yesterday in our leadership meeting um, and, and potentially, you know, trying to get something together to submit, to apply for that. Um, not this time around, but, but next year probably. Um, so technology is going to be part of it. Um, I think the way that the business actually works as part of it, like, you know, the billable hour itself is, we, you know, we try not to use that. We, we have to still in, in certain types of things when it really is transactional, like a venture financing or an M&A deal or something where there's just absolutely no control uh, over how much time and effort it's gonna take because you actually have someone negotiating against you. Those types of things, I don't have a better answer yet than the billable hour. Um, but for other stuff, you know, for drafting agreements and reviewing contracts and, you know, attending board meetings and all that kind of stuff, like that doesn't need to be done by the hour anymore. We don't do it that way. You know, it's it's either um, it's either on you know project based fees, which kind of aligns everybody's interest to make sure that they get done right and they get done quickly. Um, or it's some, you know, variant off of a billable hour, whether it's like a subscription, um, you know, where you have a certain amount of time that we're sort of allocating to a client over a period of a, a month or so. And then that, that can kind of help them like even out what their legal spend is. Um, but I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to find or, or maybe be part of building some additional tools that will, will really allow lawyers to spend more of their time doing the like relationship building, advising, counseling parts of what we do and not so much the, you know, sitting in front of the computer, um, you know, drafting stuff from scratch. Because if we can, and we do, we already do this with uh, several different types of uh, documents or packages of documents that we use all the time. You know, we we have the ability to get them pretty far down the road before a lawyer really has to spend time on them, um, and that's just good for everybody because that that's going to reduce the time it takes to get things done. It's going to increase the amount of time that we have to spend on more valuable projects for our clients. Um, so I I think it's the the role. I don't you know I'm not afraid that like computers are going to you know replace lawyers. I mean, they're going to replace some of the things that lawyers do, but I don't think that, um, I, you know, I'm not concerned about like actually not being able to practice law because there's always going to be a place for um, the relationship side. I mean, one, one of the things that we do pretty, that, that I think really does kind of make us unique um, is just kind of the, we have this phrase, I don't honestly know if this is even a word, but we, we say that we have like an unapologetically approachable style. And I think that is something that's not going to be able to be replaced by, you know, software, technology, um, robot, whatever the case may be. We, we um, look forward to being able to spend more time, you know, with our clients understanding what they're going through so that we can figure out the best solution for whatever they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. How much are you thinking about like that sort of like the, the AI piece and the future of legal tech and, and intelligence? I mean, do you spend a lot of cycles either thinking about it or, or working on it? Um, yeah, I mean, we we do we don't. I mean, it's not like we're sitting around all day around a table like throwing ideas around, but we do spend a significant amount of energy on that. One of the guys on my team, um, Sean Valley, is sort of tasked with what we call he's like our R and D lawyer, and so he's sort of like he'll we we constantly are getting you know incoming, basically sales pitches from you know tech companies that have some kind of product that's usable for lawyers or, you know, maybe more generally professional services. Um, and so he'll, uh, he'll vet those and we'll get into conversations with some of them about what we might be able to use. Um, and then we're also kind of not, not quite as client facing, but we're also sort of constantly undergoing a, um, 
you know, evaluation on what are the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis internally that isn't that valuable or takes an inordinate amount of time or we just don't like to do. And so we're, we're trying to, um, you know, identify those things, up, update those, those feelings and thoughts that come from the team and then either go out and find some way to avoid it uh, or, you know, potentially come up with a solution ourselves that works. What, what's really been interesting, especially over the last couple of months from working at home, is that um, like it's become very clear to me that I don't know if there is a technology, you know, uh, solution to some of these things that are very, very, or I guess the, the, the things that I, le- that I least like about what I do on a daily basis, I don't know if there's a technology solution for them, mm-hmm. but what's become apparent from working at home with a little bit, like unbelievably, it's actually less distracting at home, even with kids at home, um, has been how important like behavior and habits are to, to being efficient and being able to focus, at least for me. And so I, I don't know, like may, maybe there's not a true technology answer to those things, but there is an answer. It's just a matter of, can you be disciplined enough and figure out exactly what works and then stick to it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I like the idea of focusing on the value, uh, the most valuable tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you go forward, it's like, well, because, yeah, I mean, there the law isn't going to change or the way that the law is sort of distributed as kind of the foundation of knowledge from which everyone debates everything else, you know, case law, whatever. Um that's not going to be consolidated into one like chatbot anytime right. soon. Right. So, but as that, so that there's a create, there's an art and a science to law from what I see from my friends and peers and, and hearing from people like you and seeing people at work and lawyers can make really good business owners and really good business partners because just knowing the law and being able to have a mastery of it um, is important, whether it's contracts or, or creativity in your contract writing um, you know, if it's a deal or it's a buyout, is it going to be an option? I mean, there's all these things that sort of deal make many entrepreneurs are natural are not natural deal makers. Um, and so that sort of guidance, someone to walk with them, knowing like what, what's in and what's out and what's feasible, what's not feasible, right. what's, what's good and fair versus not what's in your best interest, what's not, um, that sort of like. I was going to say that's the kind of thing that is the human touch when we think about artificial intelligence with that human final front end or some human is in there somewhere, whether it's at the beginning yeah. or at the end, I would say, yeah, yes, no, or also to kind of get the recommendations. Because I don't know how you get all the inputs in there for then that bot to be like, here are the four best opportunities to exploit this with your legal stuff. And here's the yeah. exact, they can maybe actually tee you up with these and like yeah. identify stuff. Yeah. And then you've got to be the one that strategically guides kind of the client. So I think in that regard, you know, what is your dream, you know, what's the future of your business or for Jesse Jones? Like what's your dream life looking like in five or or 10 years? Yeah. um, Well, I I think before I answer that, what you just said about the, you know, basically almost a partnership between, you know, technology and, and the human side of what we do is I'm looking forward to that because I think the what what technology can do or or probably can already do but will definitely be able to do in some you know short amount of time is to really kind of issue spot and bring different possibilities kind of to the to the surface um, and may, you know frankly maybe better than humans can I don't know um, but but what's definitely what I'm looking forward to there is you know, we, we are, are, we're a relationship business and we're always trying to build our relationships with our clients so that we can provide the best value and the best service that they can get. And part of that is knowing who they are. And that happens. The more we work with them, the more time we spend with them, the better we get to know who they are uh, and really can then take those options that are available and help them understand what each of them really means 
and help them think through from a human perspective what is going to leave them with the best taste in their mouth and it's going to you know just going to provide them the best value for them personally in their particular situation that that's the piece that i think we'll be able to spend more and more time on as we use technology to do the other stuff um so the question about next five to ten years so uh, I mean, from a from a four score perspective, you know, I want to. I, I would like to continue to grow. I don't, um, you know, I, I don't have aspirations to to be a huge law firm or really even to be a full service firm. We really focus on um, venture financing, M and A, and we serve as outside general counsel. And the, the the general counsel stuff is is pretty broad, um, but we don't, you know, we don't we don't write patent applications. We don't do litigation. We're not tax attorneys, you know, and, and I don't really think that stuff is going to change. Um, I'm not looking to, you know, build a patent practice and add a litigator and, you know, do all this other stuff. That's not, I don't think we're going to go that way. Um, there are definitely times when I think this would be better if I could just have all this in-house, but, um, but I think that our team is going to grow slowly and expand a little bit in terms of like what we do. But I think, you know, the next five years for Fourscore is probably, you know, going from five full-time to maybe 12 full-time, maybe 15. I don't think that uh, Fourscore will be bigger than that unless we decide to go a different direction. Um, the last guy that I hired is in San Jose in California. And um, that has been that has been really good. It's been interesting to get uh, you know boots on the ground, kind of in the hotbed of technology. Um, before everything got shut down, most of his time he's a lawyer, but most of his time was spent doing business development. Um, and that obviously has changed in the last you know eight weeks or so, just because he hasn't been able to get out there. But uh, I, I think that presence will grow a little bit, and we'll probably have two or three people out there. Um, but I, the way I'm envisioning it now anyway, is that, you know, the triangle will be sort of our headquarters. Um, and we may never do another location other than sort of the Bay Area, but, um, but that's, it's possible we would if we came up with a, a really good opportunity um, to maybe, you know, put another person or two in a different market. That, that might make sense. Um, for me personally, I mean, I'm I'm super interested. I'm reading a book right now called. Uh, actually, I'm reading two books. Well, I'm reading one, listening to one. Um, one is called uh, Buy Then Build, and it's about. Um, it's basically called uh, like acquisition entrepreneurship is what the guy calls it. I can't remember. What the, I'm terrible with author names. I can't remember what the guy's name is. But, um, you know, I, I've been doing some real estate investing over the last four years or so. And I, I love real estate. That's really cool. I've liked learning about it. Um, but I'm also interested in, in potentially trying to, um, you know, get get another business up and running. I don't think I would start another business unless it was necessary. But um, you know, trying to to identify and acquire uh, a small but you know solid business is something I'm definitely interested in doing in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. And then uh, I'm also, I'm listening to a book called The Common Rule. And it was just sort of randomly, a couple different people suggested it um, over the last couple of weeks. So listen to that on Audible. That's pretty interesting. <clears throat> it's actually written by a corporate lawyer. Um, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Um, written by a, a, a corporate lawyer who was uh, originally like a missionary to China. And um, then came back to the U.S., went to law school, and then he's a partner at some big D.C. corporate firm, I think. But it's all about like building habits. It's all it's all about you know um, structuring your life intentionally because otherwise someone else will structure it for you. And that that's a lot of that has been uh, just really. I mean, I've probably been learning that since I started working, really, the last, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever it's been. Um, as a young, you know, young, probably not just lawyer, young person, like, in the workplace for the first time, at least I was, you know, kind of paranoid about ever saying no if someone asked me to do something. And that kind of leads you down the path of, like, 
letting other people control really your whole life because they'll take all the time you're going to give them. And if you're not going to say no, they're going to take all your time. Um, and I mean, some of that you kind of have to deal with as a young, young person in the, in the workplace, but, um, but it's been very interesting to kind of, uh, see how my own habits have kind of changed over the last, you know, the last five years, especially probably. Um, and then listening to this book has been interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked them up, I guess the common rule is habits for uh, or habits of purpose for an age of distraction. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Justin Whitmill early or early. And then the other one, I don't blame. Oh, let's see. Five and build uh, something about how acquisition entrepreneurs dot, dot, dot. But that author is Walker Diebel. That's so, right. Yeah. No offense, Walker, but uh, <laughs> I, was, I read that name. I was like, ah, that just doesn't roll off the tip of the tongue. Um, anyway, that's cool. So, you know, that's like an interesting answer. And it like, because everyone wants to be scaling or like I'm doing this or here's my plan. And, and, you know, but there's, and there's all this content about all these other people that aren't the newsworthy. I just raised venture capital or I did that. And it's, I'm, it's not, not newsworthy. It's just like, what gets the press? Like what's lazy yeah. us? And you're saying like, I want to grow a practice that is small, but makes a big impact on clients. But maybe the way you get your sort of, you know, at scale kind of stuff in the business world is through acquisition, using your skills and applying them to, to something that you can buy and then build uh, potentially, which I think I've always wanted to, we've talked about this. I, I sort of like of the mind of, you know, there's a few ideas I could probably spin up from, from zero, but why not just look at myself as a miniature PE thing, right. you know, like, Hey, there's an opportunity could use more technology. Yep. Uh, technology could help technology and some sales could like increase top line, increase bottom line and change the multiple. Like that could be a great strategy and we could be, you know, investors practically. I don't know what people would call that, but it's sort of a different way of using this knowledge and expertise and, and not, and trying to, almost go with the current a little bit more and say, Hey, this is something that's already operating. They've taken some risk yeah. out. They smoothed the way for as some path. And we just want to take that path and turn it to a different trajectory. Yep. So, you know, yeah, that's, I'd love to kind of hear how that goes over time. Yeah. Um, and good for you for reading. Actually, I like that acquisition entrepreneurs. Cause I feel like that, that could be something that, you know, applies to many. Um, so you know, I have two different things that are totally separate, but I'll start with one, which is where do you like to fit in? If you're thinking about working with small businesses, there's sort of the, the fate, you know, if it's a continuum, there's the zero to one phase, you know, start or launch or whatever. There's a bunch of books and metaphors. And then there's also sort of exit su succession planning, M&A. Well, M&A might actually happen in the middle. So it's them doing the, the, the M&A versus getting M&A. But sort of like zero to one growth, scaling, exit and succession planning, where, what do you like to be the most? And like, what do you think adds the most value or where do you add the most value? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think we are, we probably add the most value uh, to clients who, well, there's really, maybe there's two different buckets for that. So we definitely do add value uh, for brand new entrepreneurs who don't know what to do, uh, because we have we have worked companies through that zero to one phase, literally hundreds of times, and so if if there is someone who has not started a business before, we can certainly add value. Although you know that that a lot of that stuff falls into um, you know some of the things that don't really require a lot of time anymore uh, on the lawyer's part. Um, and a lot of the like education that those brand new entrepreneurs need is available everywhere. Um, you know, we, we have, we put together an ebook that's on our website and available. It's, it's called the, um, uh, the new business blueprint. We have, several different video series. We've got some white papers on various topics and a ton of small, you know, shorter articles about anything to do with starting a business. 
Um, and so, you, you know, really entrepreneurs can kind of get pretty well educated without necessarily talking to an attorney. Um, with that said, if you've never done it before, there are certainly like nuances to uh, setting up a corporation and deciding whether to use a corporate form versus an LLC, you know, what state law do you use, what, you know, all that kind of stuff. That, there, there are some nuances there that where we really can kind of provide value by sitting down and talking with somebody. Um, but I think where we're, where we're really starting to, to add more and more value is uh, to clients that are really like about to go raise money if that's what they decide they, they need to do for their business. Um, you know, everybody has questions about raising money from, from investors. There is a lot of stuff out there, and even on our website, there's stuff, you know, there's content there about getting educated on the process and everything, but, uh, man, it's so, I mean, the, the, the terms of the deals um, are, are probably largely the same, as long as you're talking about the same type of security, if it's preferred stock or notes or safes or something else, um, but everybody's circumstances are different. And so that, I think that is where we add a lot of value is helping entrepreneurs either decide between term sheets or, or really even decide like what exactly are they looking for and why. Um, that's, that's an area where we can add a lot of value. Um, and, and then also sort of in the M&A context, I mean, we, I've been working currently on a deal where we're representing a, a company here in the U.S. that's merging with a U.K. business. And they're, they're in like the, the biotech sort of like testing field, which is, I mean, we started working on this before the whole COVID insanity happened. And that has just, uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't killed the deal. It's going to close on Friday, hopefully. But um, I mean, that has just put everybody's focus on things other than getting the deal done because everybody all of a sudden needs to focus on their lab and the tests that they've, that they've got and the ways that they can, you know, um, potentially come up with some, you know, some way to use a different test to try to test for COVID. And like, that was that everybody was thinking about. And so we added a ton of value there because we really had, like, if, if, if we didn't lead our client to the finish line, especially over the last two months, this deal definitely would not have happened because nobody was focused on it. It's important, but it's not urgent. You know, it's, it's the, the urgency of the day every day was taking over the business people's, you know, time. And so having, having an attorney or a law firm that can help you, you know, help keep you on track and make sure you're protected in the documents that you're signing and also like not kill the deal. Like there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bad feelings or thoughts or whatever about lawyers that just kind of constantly point out problems. And, you know, this is, this is a risk to you. This is a risk to you. And, and yeah, obviously we have to make sure we're aware of and make our clients aware of the risks that they're taking, but just pointing out problems, that's what a computer can do. But pointing out a solution is something that that's what we're good at. That's where we provide the value. Yep. What's the difference? Where's their gray area? I mean, what's gray area and what's like against the law, for lack of a better word? I Meaning you want your client to close their deal. So you can't not represent, you can't not like mention risks. You can't just say, oh, oh yeah. it's not a big deal. Because now you've sort of said, well, oh, my attorney said it's not a big deal. It turned out to be a big deal. How do you differentiate between overly? Because I know exactly what you mean, which is like, I think we should do this. It's like, come on, strategically, is that important? I, I don't know. There's a lot of, I, I've experienced the bad law lawyer vibe. and But there's also been plenty of good where it's, you know, thoughtful strategic counsel and it's advice and it's human to human conversations about what's practical, yep. you know, just practical. So I, I've seen both and it just both exist. And some of that negative piece might exist for a reason. I guess maybe what is that, you know, level of, where's that line? Is there a line that just lawyers have to always stay behind? Otherwise they're going to like get in trouble or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are, 
technically there to advise on the law and the and like the, the language of contract, you know. But I think that you know the value add firm, which is what we try to be, is going to go beyond that and help the client peel back the layers and really understand from a practical level. This is what it says from a legal perspective, but from a practical level, what does that actually mean? And yes, there is risk that we need to, you know, we need to point out. For example, the uh, the deal that I was just talking about, that our client, the, the owner of the business that's merging into this UK company, um, the whole time has been talking about a having a board seat at the holding company that's being created to hold these two entities. Um, and we finally got all the documents and there's nothing like it's all agreed that this person will be a director on that board, but there's no right to be a director. There's nothing that would stop, you know, the other directors or the majority of the stockholders of that holding company from kicking our client off. And so we had to bring that up. Like, obviously that's a big deal because they, the client needs to understand you know, the position that they're in by signing these documents. But just bringing it up is not that helpful. I mean, it's it's necessary, but we need to come up with a way to deal with it because we're at the 11th hour and we finally got the employment agreement and it doesn't say what we thought it was going to say. And so, you know, we had to, we made a couple of suggestions. We went with one of them and it still doesn't provide exactly what we were expecting there's still no contractual right to a board seat but the client is comfortable with what the repercussions would be if they were kicked off the board that they're you know willing to kind of move forward and because they understand what the risk is and they're willing to take it and really i mean so often that's what things come down to is there might not be a way to get exactly what you want but it's our job as the attorney to make sure that you understand what the risk is and, and that you are aware of what the options are. Because at the end of the day, the option might be you either take the risk or you don't do this deal. And that's fine. Like that, that's the way it is sometimes, but um, it's our job to make sure the client fully understands what they are, what they're signing up for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, do a turn. I mean, thinking of like the old like sort of you know attorney as the right hand man or woman to a business owner um and how valuable that that role could be i mean do, do attorneys ever not i wouldn't say like work on contingency but are they ever outcome based is there ever like a retro to say did this deal actually work out and if it didn't was it at all due to sort of the guidance that we came up with or the strategy we put in place and is there things we could change or was it just like yeah, we got there and then the market shit the bed or what, you know, there's plenty of times that stuff doesn't work out. Yeah. Ever, how's that? How do you guys think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, from a, like, there are, um, like there's certain, like there's like litigators sometimes will work on contingency where they take a percentage of whatever settlement there is or something. Mm -hmm. um, from a business perspective, uh, I, I would certainly be open to that. I mean, sometimes we've done not like in the, in the, not in the midst of an actual transaction, but, but we have done, you know, we provide a discount or something for a piece of equity in the company, or we like work out some kind of alternative arrangement that will like lower the cash required to do whatever it is they're asking for. Um, but from a, from like a, a deal perspective, um, I, I have, I have personally never worked on uh, a deal where like we don't get paid unless the deal closes or something like that. Oh, right. Um, that, that would be in some ways would be awesome, but that you can see how that would, that could definitely put us in a position where we're, we have more than just our client's interest in mind, which would That's not right. be a good position to, for anybody really to be in. Yeah. Um, well, and not closing might be the best outcome and you don't want to have exactly. all of your personal incentives tied to one outcome, exactly. one of two good paths, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so, so that, that is, that is not something we have done. I, I do think, I know I've talked to lawyers before where like, it's not, it's not like completely binary, but they have some kind of arrangement where like, 
if the deal doesn't close, you know, there might be some kind of like discounted discount applied to the bill or something like that. But again, that kind of like, you just have to be really careful with that because you need to, we, we need to make sure that the only thing that matters to us is that our client does what's best for our client. And so, you know, it's, if you're, if we're really close with the client, uh, which is how we want to be with most of our clients, you know, we can usually work something out, but, but don't want to even like create the possibility that it would look like we're not, you know, we don't have their best interests in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and maybe where I'm getting to is, you know, and then and this could be the, the future of, of law or, or not, but that partnership, isn't about even one transaction. So it's bigger than one transaction, but is, are the outcomes you're trying to achieve together being met and are they being met because of your positive contribution? Mm-hmm. So like that might be that one deal or it might not be that deal or it might be that deal in a sequence of other sort of things that you're, that you're working on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, because I want to know, and you know, I've got two kind of things and this will spring off into two things. One is like, you know, if we're thinking about law, law tech, legal tech, whatever you call it, attorneys in general, you know, what is their, you know, what's guidance for them? What should they be thinking about? Because I heard you also say it's important for attorneys to get smarter. And you didn't say that verbatim, but you said like how to start a company. That attorney is called Google, Google google.com. Like go do that. Go get all that knowledge. If you're charging people thousands of dollars to just get that, you get on the wrong side of the value equation quickly. And they're exactly. like, oh, shit, thank you so much. But you don't know as much as Google. Google has all this shit. Like Google has, I don't even know the stats, but they're scanning millions and millions of articles a second to try to like aggregate it and make it contextually relevant and so on and so forth. And also with the disclaimer of we're not an attorney, so they have no liability. So like it's perfect. Um, someone should get that for free so that they, by the time they get to you, you've got something that's extra special, whether it's the human touch or it's strategy and that strategy leads to outcomes. So as you think about advising that future attorney or, or any current attorneys, like what, what's my, the future of my practice look like, you know, speak, speak to that. And then the other thing, which you can maybe lace into it is, you know, if it was something for like startups and entrepreneurs and they're like, yeah, how to leverage your attorney for a 10 X return, dot, 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 you don't have to do that verbatim. But like, how would you start to fill in those gaps so people know how to engage with attorneys kind of now in, in this sort of future ideal state of where, you know, attorneys are back on top in terms of that, the, the fulcrum of value. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think one of the best ways to leverage uh, your, you know, attorney relationship and probably your, you know, other professional services as well is uh, particularly in situations where uh, the, the founder or the business person truly does not know what they're doing but even if it is something that you know with an unlimited amount of time you could figure it out like not there's not a whole lot of stuff that's like rocket science that you're never going to be able to do you know um but the question is how much of your time is it worth because if it's going to take you nick you know all day to figure out how to um you know, deal with a buy-sell provision in an operating agreement with a partner. But it, you know, but you're going to pay a lawyer 500 bucks to like figure it out for you. That is going to be a huge value add because it's going to be done the right way. And it doesn't waste, you know, an entire day that you could be focused on building your business or doing whatever else you need to have done that day. So I think from, from that perspective, like leveraging other people's time uh, is huge. Um, and, uh, the, the, sorry, the first part of your question was what was about, um, was about getting smarter. Is that what we were talking about? Yeah. Like, I mean, if, if it was, if it's, if the audience is like the attorney, you know, and they're, or an aspiring attorney or young attorney or law school person, you know, what's their, you know, what should they be aiming for, right? Because I think school, a lot of a lot of these mechanisms are sort of like lagging, I don't know if lagging indicators is the right word, but they're sort of, 
you know, these are people, professors were successful 30 years ago or 20 years ago. And now they're like, Hey, this is how it works. You go do this, 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 and then you get out and you're like, shit, that was worthless. Right. You know? Uh, so what should those be, people be thinking about for where the value is going to be created between lawyer and user or lawyer and marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I referenced the getting smarter, meaning like don't help people with stuff. They should Google get smarter and do something different. That's up the chain, the value chain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that is uh, that particular question is tough though because I think I think the answer is um, it's really really important to be building relationships all the time, and that could be with you know people that are in the on the investor side of the equation or on the you know potential acquirer side of the equation, or um, it could also be, um, you know, other professionals that can help, you know, people that you represent, whether they are other lawyers that do different things, or they are bankers or CPAs or insurance people, or, you know, um, estate planners or, you know, financial people, whatever. I mean, there's like an infinite number of things that people need help with. But the, the, the difficulty from a relationship point uh, of view with clients, especially if you're if you're wanting to work with entrepreneurs, is um, you know truthfully there is a lot that people can do on their own, or at least learn on their own. Um, you know, using Google and using you know, the content that's out there already, but inevitably they're going to have questions and at some point most people are probably going to want to ask someone that they feel will know the answer so they can confirm what they've learned and at that point is really where i think uh you know younger not younger lawyers i mean myself included like lawyers in general can really start to kind of build those early stage relationships with people that um, are going to be clients for the for their life, and yeah. so even even though there is so much that can be done, uh, you know, by the business person for themselves, I, I think it's really really important that 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 lawyers in general, you know, focus on helping people with the questions that they have at that time. Even if it's not really, from our view, it's not a huge value add project because it's really something they could figure out on their own or because we just would rather spend time, you know, on a project that's a little bit more clearly value add. It is a value add to somebody that needs the help. And if you're around and you're available and you're willing to help, um, that's how you start building a relationship. That's right. Yeah. And you're kind of saying something that, and I'll try to keep us on time. I think. that I hear a lot, which is, you know, when you're there, how do you go from answering the questions people have to helping like message or lead them to a solution or a strategy that's needed, right? So one is sort of like, hey, who's got a question? Who's got their hand up? Like, I'll answer, I'll answer versus saying like, where are you going and putting more onus back on the client or the business owner or the entrepreneur to say, Hey, give me a full plan with deviations is fine. Or like other options at each, you know, stop on the, on the route to success. But once you have that bigger picture, you can help them. You can say, forget this question. That question is not important. Exactly. It's like, how much is a, is this? Like, I don't know. What are you trying to do? Like, I can't even answer. Right. So how do you get them thinking or what's maybe that, I don't know, is that a little, is that advice for your potential clients or for people out there in the world to leverage their attorney? It's not just ask lots of questions. It's to, what is that? Like, what is that? Is it have a plan? Is it, you know, think about your full strategy so that you can let, you know, let expertise kind of weigh in at the highest level of value? Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things I uh, put in a lot of the different slide decks that I have for presentations or workshops or whatever, whatever we're doing is how important it really is at the beginning to start at the end. And, and if, you don't, if you don't really know like what you're aiming at, then you need to slow down already because 
you're probably, you, you know, if, you, if you've got a partner and the two partners haven't discussed like what they actually want out of this business, then that's not a good place to start because, you know, you're going to be your two horses pulling the different directions. It's like, you're not, you're not going to get there. Same thing comes when you're thinking about, you know, whether or not you need to raise capital is like, why, why, why would you raise capital right now? Okay. So maybe there is a good reason. So how much money do you need to raise? Well, what, what is, what do you like, what do you have to accomplish in order to like increase the value of your company with the money that you're going to get? You got, you, you kind of have to start at the end and then like work backwards and fill in the details so that you know what the first step is. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, you know, the, it is obviously helpful for lawyers and other people to answer questions, but it's even more important, I think, to, for us to make sure that our clients are asking the right questions, because if they're not, then they're getting answers, but that doesn't really move the ball. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to say a positive on the professional services front, um, the value of talking to someone in professional services like attorneys, you've seen so many things so many different times. Like every deal or every relationship probably has some level of uh, uniqueness. Everything is its own special snowflake, yeah. but there are patterns in business yep. and transactions and technology and seeing being able to help an entrepreneur or a business owner or business or whomever your potential client might be uh, identify those patterns is important. And I think, you know, I, I hear you kind of say it naturally, but it's almost like, you know, how does the attorney become like a coach, you know, coaching mentality of like not answering questions, more turning it back over to the client to say, cool, you know, like helping them start to see either the pattern or start to see where their, you know, issues are having some overlap or to help them dive deeper and think of solutions themselves and not just kick everything over the wall. And now, your partner in this is becoming more strategic and now they're able to leverage you for the things that you can, where you can really add the most value. Um, and so I think, you know, that's great. And also just to sort of sum up the sales pitch for attorneys, which that's not, I don't mean that, but um, you know, the best ways to engage to get 10 X out of your relationship with a potential attorney, you know, I think it's important for entrepreneurs to think about, the, their own lifetime value as a client, you know, like where are you going and where's all the opportunity that's going to be had and be created by this thing that I'm, you know, this adventure that I'm embarking on. And I need to be able to articulate that and share that with Jesse and the four scores of the world so that they can actually impact me in the, in the highest value way possible. You know, if you go in and ask for something transactional, you'll likely get something transactional. It sounds like you also invest into that relationship building and you ask that of the people that you are potentially yeah. working with. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's definitely part of our, you know, our core values and how we, how we try to uh, provide value every day is, is by going a little bit deeper, try to make the connection, see what, you know, what our clients really are like and what they need. Um, I mean, I, I've been doing this long enough now that I have seen the results of people doing stuff the wrong way at the beginning. And, uh, you know, sometimes even the stuff that is really simple, you know, if it's not done the right way, it can, can have disastrous results, whether it's, whether it's between founders or between founders, you know, between founders and investors uh, or between customers and people, you know, whatever the case may be, it's, yeah. it is the, uh, you really do have to, as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, make sure you surround yourself with people who are really good at what you're not good at. That's right. So, you know, I just feel like I cracked open a decent can of worms for another entire hour, but there is a 10x your relationship with your attorney, right? I mean, I'm not saying I'm trying to make it like client attorney and it's like transactional, but like with the right professionals around you, you get more out of your yeah. early partnership deals out of key customer contacts out of M&A stuff. And if you have the right person that's thinking strategically together with you and you both invest into that, you can stack those things up and you can make a 10 X argument, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, shit, it's like, did you get, did you sell for X or did you sell for this? Did you have this clause in your thing or not? Did you have these terms uh, for cancellation with this key contract? Like all those things do add up. And, you know, I feel like that's a great message for attorneys too, like starting to focus on value. Like we want you to get 10X a return. You'll definitely get that shit 10X on your spin with legal. I'm saying you should go, I mean, I want businesses to think that they could actually get 10x return on their own business if they partner with the right people, mm -hmm. which includes legal. So I think that's a powerful thing. Um, all right, sweet. Well, any closing thoughts, comments? I'd love to get into way more, but I don't want to go too far over the, the hour that we had planned. And we've got three minutes left on that. But any last thoughts on sort of the future of business technology, entrepreneurship, and how you or, or, or legal plays a role in that? I mean, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what long term I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, I, I think that uh, technology will continue to get better. I think the for the most part, larger law firms have a very hard time like adapting and using new habits, new technology, new anything. And so I, I'm very, very excited for the smaller, uh, you know, to mid-sized firms where they can, uh, you know, really leverage that stuff that, to be just tremendously more efficient uh, than than the bigger, you know, their bigger counterparts. The, the, the short-term future, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm interested to see what happens with, uh, you know, investor activity and M&A activity. Um, I think the, you know, the rest of 2020, I, I really don't know what to expect. I, I feel like, I feel like we're sort of starting to like enter the period where people are going to stop playing so nice because everybody's sort of been in this together and it's been great and everybody's been cooperative, but, um, you know, at some point that's not going to last. And so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens throughout the end of the year with, um, you know, with people that have leases that they've not been paying and people that have other types of contracts that they haven't been able to fulfill their obligations under, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think long term, I'm super excited. You know, short term future, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, uh, super well said. That's actually a whole other, that could be a panel. Like what happens when we stop playing nice, you know, like if we're in it together, stronger together, stronger, like what about my rent? Yeah. Um, that's great. I, and, you know, what, uh, are you taking any steps towards the, the buy then build? Um, so actually I, I work with a CPA who's very kind of business minded. Uh, and he and I are actually reading it together. Okay. Um, and so, uh, one of the, the thing I've spent the most time on is sort of defining what the, uh, you know, defining what the target statement is. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's easy to get on the internet and look around at, you know, businesses that have been posted for sale, but, uh, just like anything else, that's, that's probably the least efficient and serious way to like get to an actual deal. Yeah. And so I've tried to kind of step back and really think about and write down what it is I'm actually looking for. And it's not a specific like industry. It's not a specific type of business. It's more, you know, what type of organization is it? Is it a, is it a, is it a service business like I'm in now or is it, or is it a distribution company or is it you know, some kind of product oriented yeah. business? Um, and then, you know, being realistic about the size that it would have to be to, you know, be comfortable with the risk it's going to take to borrow, however much you have to borrow to do it. All that kind of stuff has been very, very interesting. So I'm not all the way through the book yet. I think I'm on chapter seven. Um, but uh, I will certainly let you know. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 12. Actually, never mind. Don't do it. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I should have finished the book. Um, well, that's great. No, I think that speaks to, I mean, all the people that I'm talking to have some sort of bent towards, and hopefully others don't. Hopefully others can represent other angles. But I love the sort of bent towards entrepreneurship, which is you're doing one thing and also thinking about kind of what's next. And that even could be a what's next for the professional services firm. I think about it in the exact same way of how do I build different 
you know, asset types or portfolio or revenue streams because services are great and we love being in that role um, in terms of smashing boxes as a company. But there are other ways out there to to do things, and those other ways might be our the best chance we have at, at gaining some you know scale or, or diversification right. or, or a number of things that are that are beneficial to um, to a, a business owner. Um, Cool, man. Well, let's break. I appreciate you taking time to do this yeah, and no uh, excited for, I'm always happy when we see each other in, in person or catch up and, and, and connect and network. And this, I thought went super well. So yeah, no, thanks uh, for, thanks for the invite. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate it. it. Well, stay safe, dude. And I'll talk to you soon. We'll do. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Jesse. Bye. See you. Bye.